Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. On today's quick reaction edition of the Yahoo Sports College podcast, we talk about the debacles at Texas and Michigan, the Alabama QB debate, the SEC West, Flexen, and why Akron is at least one of our teams of the week. All right, Mac Brown Appreciation Day, Philip Fulmer Appreciation Day, and Lloyd Carr Appreciation Day all came early this year. Day one, week one. It certainly wasn't less Miles Appreciation Day, though, at least not yet, but we'll get to that. Each of the above coaches won a national title at school, at a school. That school eventually got tired of them, got a new coach, and have since wandered around in the abyss wishing they could be respectable again. Now, we are going to give Jeremy Pruitt a break at Tennessee for getting taken behind the woodshed by West Virginia on Saturday. Uh, It is his first year leading the Vols. However, no such breaks will be handed out at the Yahoo Sports College podcast for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan who lost to Notre Dame, or Tom Herman at Texas, who lost to a Maryland team that itself lost its own head coach due to a scandal involving the tragic offseason death of a player. Pete, let's start with you, and let's start with Texas, because everything's bigger with Texas. What is wrong with the Longhorns? This was an uninspired effort to start season two for Herman. You know, think about this, Dan. The mighty, mighty Texas Longhorns have lost consecutive non-conference series, both home and road, with Cal and Maryland back-to-back. Like, the game's scheduled as, like, filler, let's not play UTEP three times. Essentially, there's been, you know, four pretty embarrassing losses in a row for that brand. I honestly didn't watch a bunch of the Texas games because I was at my own game, but I believe they turned the ball over three times in the last six minutes, went down 24-7, Came all the way back. Texas needs to be better. I do think they've recruited pretty well. We've heard that before, but that's it's a world-class face plant and a lesson that winning the offseason, as Texas tends to do, does not necessarily equate to that. And we should ban anyone from ranking Texas in the preseason next year because they've done nothing the last decade, essentially, to prove they deserve it. I like that. A banishment already. Preseason, mid, early season ban. Pat, what is the problem with the Longhorns? I almost feel like they just, they love hyping themselves up, telling us how smart they are and how many good players they have are and all that. But then again, over and over and over, here we are. Yeah, no, I mean, they have 
way, way under-delivered on their recruiting rankings, their natural recruiting backyard, the overall attractiveness of the school. It's all there. There's just there's absolutely no defensible reason for Texas to be as mediocre as they have been just permanently, really, for the last since since Mac Brown's last couple of years. It's it's astounding to me. And I, you know, I was fully believing that Tom Herman would change that. And he still can uh, for sure. But here we are, I guess, 14 games in and, uh, you know, the record, I think, is seven and seven at this point. And, and they haven't beaten anybody. They haven't done anything yet. They haven't, you know, excited anybody. Uh, and, and this, as you mentioned, I mean, this is a Maryland program that was reeling. I mean, my gosh, they 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 not only is their head coach suspended, but you know there, there's been this cloud of investigation over the the program. And you would think if anybody had an excuse to lay an egg in the first week, it was them, and they did not. And so credit to the players for not doing that. But also on this, on the other hand, I mean, boy, Texas just absolutely blowing a game that seemed like a, a gift wrapped opportunity to start one and zero. Yeah, I mean, Maryland needed people with inside the program, including players, to go anonymous source to ESPN just to tell how bad it was in the culture that led to the offseason training death. I mean, that's a that's a toxic environment right there. So and, and good for them for, for rising up. It was a weird game. There was a delay, a weather delay. But still, I mean, this is Texas. That's Maryland. Shouldn't happen. Texas gets Tulsa next week. Presumably they can beat them. And then uh, USC and TCU. And then in a couple more weeks, Oklahoma. I mean, you know, two and four start. This is a visit to Texas State. I mean, Kansas State in there. Not an easy early season uh, when you're certainly when you're at that spot, when you've already blown the uh, the Maryland game. My unpopular opinion is that DJ Durkin was doing a pretty good job at Maryland until his suspension for the before mentioned alleged toxic culture. And I feel like if you look at Maryland early last year, they had multiple quarterback injuries, pretty dynamic players, and that knocked them off course to, I believe, finish four and eight last season. But I feel like the program, again, the execution of which certainly can be questioned, but I feel like you take a hybrid of Jim Harbaugh and Urban Meyer and what DJs learned along the way, and he recruited well in the D.C. area, and I just feel like last, you know, people were down in Maryland this season because it ended so poorly last season. I would contend a lot of that had to do with the quarterback injuries. So again, Texas should not lose to Maryland. I, I am, I agree with the, I agree with the thesis here. But I do think this is a bit of a tip of the cap to what had been built programmatically to this point. Although that has obviously been shrouded in scandal. Well, listen, we like to overreact here uh, unfairly. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. And burn the tape. Okay, so fair enough. Now, Maryland obviously could be improved. Uh, it's a good win. It's a good win for the Big Ten to, to get. All right, Pat, you were in South Bend Saturday night. Now, we will give some credit to Notre Dame's uh, Brandon Woodenbush, who played really well, the front seven of the Irish defense. But since we like to uh, focus on the negative here, the Yahoo Sports College podcast, <laughs> Michigan-wise, depressing. New quarterback, Shea Patterson. There was a brief... Dylan McCaffrey appearance, uh, but the offense was uh, the same predictable bad self. Uh, no running game, no deep threats. They scored in a kick return. They only really moved the ball when Notre Dame was a couple scores up and uh, really went pre prevent. Uh, you were there. 
uh, what'd you see? What happened? Yeah, no, we do prefer the negative here because it's, uh, I th- as, as I think it was Mike Bianchi once said very eloquently, our job is to sit on the hilltop and survey the battle below and then ride in after it's over to bayonet the wounded. And I did that with Michigan and with uh, Jim Harbaugh. They were bad. They were really bad. And I, I'll give, I will give credit to Notre Dame because they were ready to play right away. And they had a plan, and they went after it, and they were bold, and they executed. And Michigan looked like they were kind of scared to get out there, especially offensively. It's like, oh, gosh, you know, we better tiptoe into this. By the time they first got the ball, they're down 7 nothing. Then they ran five handoffs and threw a bubble screen and punted. And when they get the ball back again, they're down 14 to nothing. The game was over before they tried to do anything bold offensively. Uh, and I just think that they are in such a malaise on that side of the ball. Pep Hamilton's not working as a coordinator. Their line is terrible. They cannot run. Uh, I, I wrote in the column, this is a four-game losing streak for them. And their r- yards per carry is just anemic. Uh, and Shea Patterson, I think, does give them more at quarterback than the guys did last year. He can definitely freelance plays, which behind that line you're going to need to. Uh, he can he can make things out of nothing. I think he's better that way than kind of setting up and throwing on, on rhythm and on schedule. But they've got just issues all over that side of the ball, which doesn't make sense in year four for Jim Harbaugh. As much as he has touted and other people have touted their recruiting, they shouldn't be in this situation where they're almost scared to go toe-to-toe with uh, Notre Dame. It was a very bad performance, and they were lucky they only lost by seven. And I did say Harbaugh was asked about it, and he said, I, I feel like this is the beginning. This is not you know, the end. And I, I said that it's, I think it feels like the beginning of the end for Harbaugh. I'll tell you what, I, we'll see how this goes this year. I, I did say the season would not end. Uh, real panic would not hit until the second loss for either Notre Dame or, or Michigan. So uh, I think, you know, whenever that comes, if it comes. But certainly there was just nothing that was exciting for Michigan to build on. And I, I just wonder, I mean, Harbaugh, I mean, he took a 1-11 Stanford team, got them to whatever, 12-1. and He went to two straight NFC championship games, then almost won the Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick unbelievable coach it's just not happening and and i, I don't yeah. i don't know why and i think it, nobody does and it seems what do you think pete is just the just the mystery of what is going on with jim harbaugh and how we're not here yet with with this many this many years in i'll say this about harbaugh he's a fascinating guy maybe just the most fascinating coach in all of college football because he's i mean i watched the clips of his press conference last night and i actually was hoping to ask pat this uh on the podcast that he looked like he was like spaced out in some weird zone because he just kept kept showing him saying the same thing the answers that he gave were not they did not match you know in any way the question he was asked it's just like a very it was like a very like space age moment i'm like is he is he listen, yep. you know is he listening is he there it was it was very bizarre i would i would like your take on that pat after i finished my little treatise here on jim harbaugh and i i wrote this a bit uh one of my first columns for yahoo last july for media day where i basically said it was time for harbaugh to cut the antics and actually do something and he has zero signature wins as the head coach of Michigan now in year four, I believe. And part of the issue with Harbaugh, part of the issue he even had at Stanford. And then obviously part of the issue with the 49ers is that he wears out his welcome. He's somewhat because of that bizarreness and that quirkiness. And I think his biggest issue at Michigan has been staff. 
he should have fired Pep Hamilton after last season. What was the number that they were in passing, Pat, last year? One sixteen. One sixteen. Okay, at not terribly good. In year three, you should not be one sixteen in passing. So it felt for a while like he was going to kind of let Pep go somewhere, find his own thing. But Pep didn't find anything. Then he brought in a bunch of other former offensive coordinators of moderate note, like Jim McElwain, the former coach of Florida, Ed Warner. I believe Ron Prince is one of their quality control guys. So the offensive staff is just kind of a mess. And I think it's translated to the field where it's just kind of a mess. But Harbaugh's inability to grasp how bad it was, react to it and fix it is what could potentially sink this Michigan season. I do agree with Dan. I hate to not overreact with extreme negativity because there is a lot of football left to play. That division certainly did not appear like a group of world beaters other than Ohio State and my mighty Maryland Terrapins. I do feel like there's there's serious issues there that could have been addressed, and that is a failure for Harbaugh. And um, I would like him to actually start answering questions. But, Pat, what was that press conference like? Because it looked downright bizarro on tv it was weird no doubt now if i've heard him have other ones that are similar whereas like his mind is everywhere but there you know he's just not present he's not really he doesn't want to be there he's not listening uh, he you would get a question and he would stare with these glazed eyes at the back of the room at the wall and then come out with a sentence and then stop and then come out with another sentence and sometimes it answered the question sometimes it didn't i mean it was very uh it was like he was disconnected, which, but that's him. I think he's, he's a weird, no, he's weird always dude. Done that, yeah. yeah. You know, he's different, different individual. You know, Rutgers beat Texas state. You know, I, I think they deserve at least, you know, world beaters. <laughs> I, mean, I like their freshman quarterback, big art. <laughs> that's yeah. at least, you know, one of their players. That's true. <laughs> you could have thrown out any name you could have thrown out. And Arthur I, I, Sitkowski. That's not only name. would we agree. <laughs> Arthur without an H. Arthur. Yeah. He, uh, he uh, won a state title, a Paramus Catholic. <laughs> I mean, who, who listening is going to be like, wait, that's not the guy. That's a fake. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck to that. Texas State certainly took a whooping. Texas State may be the worst team in football. but you know. right, I don't know. I, we're going to talk a lot about Harbaugh this year because who knows. I would, if I was an NFL team, I'd make a run at him late this year. And just sure. But you're in the NFL more than Pat and I are, Dan. Like, is there a desire for him to be hired at that level? Do, are people watching what happened? Now, remember San Francisco. Nobody cares what's happening at college in the NFL. No, no, but yeah, like. What, the the Super Bowl went to two yeah. NFC championship games. Yeah. yeah. And then they tanked the franchise to get rid of him and then leaked more things. Yeah, and how's that worked out for the 49ers? Yeah. They stay. Well, it's a dysfunctional yeah. franchise, but like if he's that good, do you really tank your whole franchise to get rid of him? It was, again, I'm not in the nuances of the NFL, so I don't know. Like, I knew though the 49ers have generally been a horrific organization for an extended period of time, although they're getting bailed out by Jimmy Garoppolo now. But I just, like, that to me was a sign of like, this guy is so insane. We're going to get rid of him no matter of the repercussions. That that was my my takeaway from the from the San Francisco uh, experience. And two two insane two insanities to tango out there. None yeah. of these people are well adjusted. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't. I don't sense at the NFL level a pining to hire him like there was two or three years ago. 
I think well, no, it's different now, but still, if you get a chance to hire him, I think people would be more interested in him than John Fox. You know, I mean, yeah, he's maybe. done something. Yeah, he, would... he, he, get, he get hired again. I, he is definitely can be difficult, but they're all difficult. I mean, some of those NFL coaches, I wouldn't let them like rake my lawn. I mean, they're just not, <laughs> I don't know what, what these guys are doing. You know, look, he leaves the uh, franchise stinks. He said, what? He gives you a run for four or five years. Then you fire him. Don't give him a long-term deal. It's like Michigan's not going to fire him. Like, they're all in on him. They gotta- what would they owe him, Dan? I mean, it, it would be like a preposterous number. Because, he, yeah, yeah, his uh, contract is, like, obscene, even in a world where, like, the obscene has become normal. They all got the money. They all got the money. They don't want to get rid of him. They don't need to. It's not like people are going to stop showing up. I mean, heck, they, they, went to, they, they were there for Brady Hoke. They were there for Rich Rod. They're not, they're not going anywhere. So they got the money if they want to get rid of them, but they're, they're, there's no interest in that. Um, there's no better idea. I mean, who do you come up with that's better? Matt Campbell. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, but, I mean, if they're 8-4 and four again, and you Michigan State again, and you lose to Ohio State again, this, I don't know, man. This is the situation. This is why they, the, it's Lloyd Carr Appreciation Day. It is. You know, I mean, is. Yeah, well, Lloyd is kind of boring. Got beat that one time by App State. It's like, yeah, but, you know, at the end, 10 and 2, he could rake my lawn. Rake my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd Carr read the New York Times every day, and he was one of those coaches who was, like, so completely defiantly boring, and then he retired, and I was like, wow, Lloyd Carr is, like, an extremely articulate, interesting, well-versed, thoughtful guy who – basically chose not to show that his entire tenure. But I'll say this. I do not believe Bo ever won a national title. And I don't believe anyone since Lloyd Carr has won a national title. No, not at all. One half. But no, Lloyd Carr is good people. He called me up once to say, like something I wrote, and then he invited me to come to practice. I was, couldn't have been more stunned at the phone call. Wow. <laughs> that was the last invitation to go to a Michigan practice that's ever existed. Yeah, I want. All right. Great Alabama QB Derby was decided. And uh, if the results surprised you, you are a complete idiot. <laughs> Tua beat out Jalen, ending the debate sort of in the coffee diner houses of Dothan, Alabama, and points east, west, north, and south in that great metropolis area. Jalen Hurts is a good QB. Tua is great. Uh, this is the first great one Saban has had in Tuscaloosa, and no, A.J. McCarron does not count. Uh, this is next level, accurate, mobile. He can throw the deep ball. He looks like a future top five NFL draft pick. And he's 12 of 16, 227, two TDs. I mean, you put him, and then he, you go back to the second half of the title game. Maybe Louisville's horrible, but this was ridiculous. Hurts uh, did get in five of nine for 70. It just didn't even look, this is not a, this is stop the, throw the towel in, right? This is not a fight. I think it was about the time Bama led like 51 seven. I saw someone on, Twitter saying Bama with a real QB is like getting a cheat code in a video game or something. And I, I mean, unless this is a mirage, I mean, hand them that trophy, that lipstick thing they hand out now. I mean, it, <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, that, that was absolutely ridiculous. So what do you think, Pat? I mean, how, how good is Alabama with a quarterback? My God. It's pretty scary. Uh, no doubt about it. It does fill in the missing link, and that you know they've been winning titles with with the missing link. So their upside is ridiculous. Uh, they they still are, they've got they will have stronger tests defensively coming up. Uh, they were replacing a ton of guys on defense, but 
no matter what Nick Saban says, I do believe they poop out uh, star players one after another. So, especially on the defensive side of the ball, injure four linebackers, the next four are going to be fine. Uh, we've seen them lose guys over and over and over to the first round of the NFL draft and still be great on that side of the ball. I expect that to continue. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're clearly the favorite. They, sh- they were the favorite going in. They're probably a stronger favorite coming out of the first week. So everybody else look out. Pete, the big controversy of this game was afterwards when uh, ESPN's uh, Maria Taylor interviewed Saban and asked him basically what was uh, his impressions of his two quarterbacks. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but the- it was a pretty benign question. And Saban blew up and got upset that anyone was asking him about this. Uh, He later called Maria and apologized for being rude. Uh, I wish he had not called, and not because he wasn't a little rude. He he was, but this is inside shop here, but I don't care if some of the coaches rude. Maria did a great job, and I'm not saying this to be patronizing or defensive. It, It was a great question, not in spite of Saban's reaction, but because of it. Like The job of the reporter is to get information and the question worked. He could have just done coach speak and told us nothing. Instead, he clearly showed how uncomfortable he is with this quarterback battle. And that includes, you know, not naming a starter until literally there was time to start the game. He just is not comfortable in this spot. And I don't know. He wants to pretend it's a 50-50 battle. And I don't know whether it's because there's loyalty to Jalen Hurts or to his family or he misrepresented this thing somehow in there, or he doesn't, he needs, he knows he has to play this game, which he doesn't find honest to try to prevent a transfer. I don't know what's going on, but I found the reaction to this question to be completely unvarnished Nick Saban when we never get unvarnished Nick Saban. And so what do you take out of that? If you agree with my, uh, my thesis here. I I do agree with your uh, thesis, Dan. And I think that, first of all, Maria Taylor's question, because I wrote about it last night, was something effective. There were a lot of questions about these quarterbacks. What answers did they provide today? Yeah. I thought thought it was a great question. I thought it was a well-thought-out question that could prompt an interesting answer. Uh, He insinuated that she was trying to get him to say something negative about one of the quarterbacks. He also said it like she was their beat writer who's there every Tuesday, you know, for for the, you know, the post practice and the radio show and who's, right. you know, stirring up the pot. Like I, I did I did not get that at all by tone. To me, Dan, it was a calculated move by Nick Saban to avoid future questions and to put the the little devil on the shoulder of the uh, local media there in Alabama to to stop bugging him about that that was that was my like read that because because mm-hmm. the reaction didn't fit the question at all and so I I feel like that was uh, that was where this came from was like he was probably sick of answering generally questions about the quarterback and he was he said to himself in a calculated manner I'm going to throw the gauntlet down to just try to diffuse this topic in some way. That was, right, that was my read. right here. Is, is Pete, is, this was a defensive move, or is it me that he actually is completely uncomfortable with the charade and doesn't know what to do? Yeah, I think I think it's more that, that he's uncomfortable with the charade. And, you know, all coaches like to control things, and the media is the last thing they can control. And Saban, perhaps the most, is able to control everything but the media. 
And so he gets more defensive and testy about these things than anything else. And this is a question he hadn't been able to make go away. Uh, I do think he's uncomfortable with it because my sense is that he wants to keep Jalen Hurts around. He does not want him uh, to look off and transfer. You know, there's still some places he could probably go and get into school right now and leave right at this moment. Uh, And I think he would very much like to avoid that and have two good quarterbacks, uh, serviceable quarterbacks for this season. So I think that's where this is coming from. Uh, you know, it's absurd. It's stupid. It's petty. It's it's Saban. But I also think the reaction to this has been way overblown. I mean, we're all treating Maria Taylor like she's an eight-year-old here. She's she's a a, a grown-up, a professional. She can handle it. All right. She 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 got some blowback and she handled it fine. And we don't have to all come rushing to her defense and clutch our pearls and say. She was badly treated. It's, you know, this happens all the dang time in, in our business. It's okay. You know what? I, 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 it's not excusing Saban, but I don't think we all have to pat her on the shoulder and say, you did a good job, Maria. She did fine. It's all okay. It's over. Move on. Yeah, no, I agree. It's good that they yell at you sometimes. Like, I don't, yeah. I hate the idea like, oh, so-and-so got yelled at, you know? Like, yeah, but he got an interesting answer out of the guy. Absolutely. This was a fascinating answer. Was, again, yeah. like I said, it's not in spite of his responses because of it. Thing worked. So it's the worst dressing down you guys have ever gotten from a coach. <laughs> I remember I was I was in Bloomington, Indiana once when Bob Knight came came back to a press conference to yell at Pat Forty. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's came he yelled like at we were once and then he left and then he came back to yell at you. Yes. And Pat Knight had to grab him by the shoulders and pull him out the second time. It was yeah, going to be a fight, no, I, yeah. I thought we were going to throw down. There is video. I was rooting for Bob. <laughs> Thank you. I, I have zero doubt about that. <laughs> February 2000. I'll tell you this. Bob Knight's career at Indiana ended shortly thereafter. Oh. The karma came back on him. Don't <laughs> <laughs> step to Pat Forty. <laughs> what did the hell did you ask him? I don't remember it being that soon. Oh. It's a good story, but it's a long story. It would take another podcast all to right, go we'll through tell, it all. We'll tell the Bob Knight memory story. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, check out the rest of the growing Yahoo Sports podcast network. We have podcasts for NFL fans, MLB fans, and fans looking for an edge in fantasy. Just go to Apple Podcasts or the store of your choice and search Yahoo Sports. All right. Sunday night, LSU just pounds Miami. On Saturday, we had Auburn beat Washington. Old mess. Old miss. Old mess. Texas Tech is the old mess. Old miss did it to Texas Tech. SEC West, baby. It's back. What do you think, Pat Forty? Very strong weekend from the SEC West. Uh, four neutral site games, four authoritative victories. You know, the Auburn game was close, and really, I thought the West Virginia gave that game away as much as anything else, but. Uh, Alabama dominated, expected. Ole Miss dominated, not expected. Uh, I thought LSU would win. I did not expect them to to just pound uh, Miami. So, you know, you 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 take those four results. You add, you know, a very strong uh, performance by Texas A and M. School record total offense. I know they weren't playing anybody, but still, Mississippi State takes care of business under a new coach. Arkansas under a new coach looks good. And look out. The best it's been historically the best division in college football for a decade or more, and it looks the same this way. And I know people are kind of tired of hearing that, but if you look at the results of the Big Ten East versus the SEC West, it's no contest. SEC West 
came out with a better weekend. Let's, let's move to knee-jerk Heisman campaigns. There we go. Even when I was a kid, it baffled me. Even when I was young, they'd have that in the newspaper or something. I'd be like, why do they have, like, they don't have, like, the Cy Young Award determined after the first week. Like, so-and-so looked good on opening day, eight, eight shutout innings, given the Cy Young. But let's do it. Who should win the, the who should win the Heisman? Who's winning the Heisman? Pat, what do you got? On Monday, Labor Day, September 3rd, undoubtedly the Heisman should go to Rondale Moore of Purdue, freshman <laughs> wide receiver slash running back slash kick returner. All he did was, in his very first college game, break the school record for all-purpose yardage, 313 yards, and he is first nationally by 71 yards over second place. Travion Williams from Texas A&M. He had two long touchdowns against a quality opponent against Northwestern. They were not playing an FCS team. They were playing a real opponent. Uh, he was really fast. He had some sick cuts where he just put defenders on their back without even having them touched him. Uh, good hands. You can play him all over the place, backfield slot, wide out, kick returns. He was an originally a Texas commitment. He decommitted. He's from Louisville, Kentucky. I'll, I'll give you that full disclosure. So I've watched this kid before. Uh, and chose to stay closer to home to go to Purdue, and Purdue has a real weapon there. Give him the Heisman on Labor Day. Rondell yeah, Moore. Awesome. All right, Pete, who's your Heisman winner? Is, is he going to follow Brom back to Louisville when he goes after the end? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I think I'm going to overreact and uh, hand Dwayne Haskins the Heisman in his, in, his, in his first career start. He only threw five touchdown passes. Uh, it was 22 for 30. Ohio State hung, I guess, what do you call them? Double, uh, double sevens? You call them double nickels if it's 55. I don't, they're really good. Um, I think <laughs> Ryan Day should win quarterback coach of the year because he developed both Haskins and Joe Burrow, who looked pretty, uh, pretty sharp tonight, certainly by LSU quarterback standards of the past decade. So, yeah, the Dwayne Haskins era has begun, and you can already tell Buckeye fans are nervous that he's going to leave after the season for the NFL because he's his third year or something. All right, book your book your flights to New York, fellas. Congratulations. Uh, all right, how about a little uh, little clock management? Give me a good, a bad, or an ugly in one minute or less. Uh, we'll go to you, Pete. I have a good story that uh, that that I was around this weekend. Uh, heartwarming story, feel good story for these divisive times. Uh, Georgia fans specifically, but fans around college football have helped raise about $140,000 for the family of Austin P offensive line coach, Josh Erbel, his daughter Landry has a rare genetic disorder. She's the only person in America and one of four in the world who's been diagnosed with this. The family had crushing medical bills. There were long hospital stays. They'd maxed their credit cards. They'd emptied their 401ks. A friend of the family started a GoFundMe three weeks ago Austin P opened at Georgia. Georgia fans found out about this family's obviously very trying time and difficult story. And Georgia fans flooded it. And to top it off, Kirby Smart and his foundation and his wife handed the offensive line coach and his wife and three children a $5,000 check at halftime of the game. It is a nice feel-good story at a time when college football could use one or two. Oh, that's, was that a minute? Yeah, something I don't know. Look at the, we'll get the less miles clock management. <laughs> That's a good set. Your clock management, the, the clock would have run out. You would have still went on your own 38-yard line. <laughs> <laughs> it was clock. when I said it. So. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I mean, I'm not going to interrupt him. That was nice. 
It's a good story. All right, Pat, what do you got? You got got any hard strings like that? I don't think so. No, no, heck no. I've got uh, brass tacks and results, and I've got Appalachian State playing a phenomenal game in Happy Valley and coming up short because they scored too soon in the fourth quarter. Ridiculous rally. They scored 28 points in the fourth quarter. If you're a Penn State fan, this was even worse than when you collapsed defensively against Ohio State last year. This is App State at home, 28 points, 260 yards in one quarter. But they scored too soon. They scored with a minute 40-something left. If they could have extended that drive a little bit, they would have won the game. But they gave time for Penn State to drive down and tie the game, put it into overtime, and win there. But the fallacy of scoring too soon is you can't tell college kids, especially if you're App State playing at Penn State, hey, you know what, fall down at the one or go out of bounds. You are here trying to get to the end zone every single play. That's the way you're coached. That's the way you're attuned. And you can't just say, well, let's extend this. The only person that could maybe have the wherewithal to do that is Tom Brady. And we don't have Tom Brady playing quarterback for Appalachian State. So I I salute App State for their game. I wish they would have won. It would have been a great story. We could have shuffled Pete uh, Thamel off to Boone, North Carolina today to be there. But, uh, you know, great effort just came up uh, a little bit short because they scored too soon. Gotta love App State. If I was in Boone, I'd be drinking moonshine. Ah, there was talk of sending me to Boone during overtime of that game. Really, it was. There was a "How far are you from Boone?" text message. Yes, <laughs> I was. I was advocating for it. I wanted yeah. Pamela in Boone yeah. today. Was that yeah. from one of our editors, or just like some some random person you yeah. know? It was for me. I was pushing for it. Oh, you were pushing. Yeah, I'm. I'm in favor of sending anyone else there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What right? me? I'm not trying to send there. Uh, well, let me tell you something. My favorite game of the weekend was Akron and Nebraska. <laughs> Smart ass. Akron was supposed to play Nebraska Saturday night. And uh, look, it, I don't want to say we got too many games on TV, but we got too many games on TV because this sucker was going to be on Fox National. <laughs> what the heck? Akron, Nebraska was the best Fox could come up with? <laughs> well the football gods were unimpressed clearly because some weather turned up and uh the whole game got canceled just to spare america from watching this thing now <laughs> nebraska decided they would try to move the game to sunday and this is where the story gets even better akron just bails town <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they caught a 1 a.m charter right out of lincoln <laughs> Sorry, we cannot play the game on Sunday. We are out of here. Yeah. Their official excuse was they couldn't find a bunch of rooms to stay in. They had already checked out of their hotel to save money. (laughs) Yeah, supposedly they were going to, like, try to put them in, like, student housing. And they're like, nah, nah, we're good. Give us our 1.1 million. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't find – we couldn't find the rooms. Now, I don't know if that's true, but it might be. Because I know one time I tried to get a late checkout at the Hampton Inn right by I-80. And the front <laughs> desk just totally denied me. It's tough out there, man. These guys are sticklers. Oh, it is tough out there. So the Akron guys had no place to stay. They're basically homeless. See ya. Now, they might get their $1.7 million for not playing a game. And I got to respect that hustle. <laughs> I mean, that's some good work if you can get it. I'll pay you $1.7 million to spend one night in Nebraska. 
<laughs> and you and nobody gets hurt and you don't lose by 50 perfect doesn't do much for tourism not sure what the lincoln hotel commission's doing but good work nebraska's down a lot in popcorn sales but good you know. good job akron that's like being a backup nfl quarterback made 1.7 today Enjoy. <laughs> all right that does it for our podcast this week we're gonna do this every uh sunday i don't know when it'll go live but uh, we also have our Tuesday night, Wednesday podcast where we break down the week. There's also the race for the case where these guys, uh, Pat and Pete, are on. They're basically giving you gambling picks, and uh, the winner gets alcohol or something. Mm-hmm. Pat's getting his ass kicked so far. <laughs> so tune in Friday. You'll find out more about it. Basically, what I'm saying is subscribe to this thing, would you? I mean, come on. It's free. You get what you pay for, but... I think it's worth the subscription. So do that and leave us a nice review. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on like Tuesday night, Wednesday.